0: chapter 10 of billy whiskers the autobiography of a goat by francis trigo montgomery this librivox recording is in the public domain recorded by alison hester chapter 10 billy as a performer in the circus one day when all the goats were grazing in the pasture billy looked up and saw coming toward them the farmer and a large fat man what can they want thought billy I guess I will walk out and meet them and hear what they are talking about." As he came within hearing distance, he heard the farmer say, "'Here he comes now, the one I was telling you about, and I don't think you will have any trouble in teaching him anything you want to, for he seems very smart and not afraid of old Nick himself.'" "'That is good,' said the circus man for a timid goat is no good in a circus, where they have to be with all the other animals. So, thought Billy, this is a man from the circus up in town, and he is thinking of buying me and making me perform in his circus. Well, I guess not. And he kicked up his heels in their faces and skipped off to the other side of the stream where they could not get him. "'It takes three to make a bargain when there is a goat in the case,' said Billy to himself. "'And I will give them a good chase if they try to catch me. "'And should they catch me, I pity the men and animals at the circus when I get there, "'for I shall use my sharp horns to advantage and split a hole in their old tent and come back to Nanny.' "'Now they are looking at Satan.' Maybe the man will buy him. No, I'm afraid he won't, for he is shaking his head and pointing at me. And here they come. The farmer is holding out his hand as if he had something in it for me to eat. Oh, no, Mr. Farmer, I am too old a goat to be caught with chaff. However, I will stand still on this side of the stream and see what they will do. And there Billy stood with his head raised, waiting for them and he made as fine a picture of a goat as you ever saw, standing on a little green knoll with the silvery stream running at his feet. The circus man was delighted with him, for he was almost twice the size of any other goat he had ever seen, and he thought how fine he would look dressed up as a professor with his long silky beard. By this time, the men were directly opposite Billy, and he noticed that the circus man kept his hands behind him all the time. But presently, He drew them forward, and in one hand he held a rope with a long loop in it. So, ho, thought Billy. He expects to tie that rope around my neck, does he? Well, let him cross the stream and catch me first. But while Billy was thinking this, The circus man was making the rope fly round and round his head in a long circle and soon with a quick twist, the rope straightened out and the loop fell over Billy's head and settled on his neck while he stood looking at them. Billy was the most surprised goat you ever saw, for it was the first time he had ever seen a lasso thrown and had he only known it, the circus man had been a cowboy in his younger days and lassoed many head of cattle when billy found he was fairly caught his pride had a fall for he had thought himself too smart to be caught and instead of him leading the men to a chase and making them cross the brook to get him they were pulling him off the bank and through the water making him follow them at first he tried to pull back and get away but he had to give that up for the rope tightened round his neck and shut off his breath and he was glad enough to follow where they led When Nanny saw what had happened, she ran up to Billy, bleeding as if her heart would break, for she was very fond of him, and she was afraid they were going to kill him or take him away forever. Don't cry, Nanny. I will get loose and come back tonight or tomorrow night, sure, if I can't get loose tonight. So, don't take on so. I know my way back, and a circus tent is not a hard thing to get out of. "'But, Billy, dear, they may tie you as they have now, and then you can't get loose,' said Nanny. "'Oh, yes, I can. When they leave me alone, I can chew the rope in two. "'But can't I go with you, Billy? I feel so terribly at being left alone, and think of it, we have not been married two weeks.' "'What a pretty face that little nanny goat has,' says the circus man. "'Yes,' answered the farmer. "'They both came to the pasture one day and joined my goats and have been here ever since. "'I never knew where they came from or whom they belonged to.' "'Well, here we are at the barn. "'You must run back, little Nanny. "'I can't take you with me today, "'though it does seem a shame to separate you two lovers,' said the circus man. "'As Billy went through the bars, "'he halted a second to give Nanny a last goodbye kiss.' and with tears streaming down her face, Nanny stood and watched him until they were out of sight. The circus man tied Billy to the back of his buggy, and whipping up his horse, he started for town. Billy had to run fast to keep up, and though he got out of breath, he could not stop unless the horse did. The worst of it was the horse kicked up such a dreadful dust that it nearly blinded Billy as it flew up in his face from under the buggy at last they came to the outskirts of the town where the circus tents were pitched and billy was untied from the buggy and led inside a large tent where cages of wild animals were arranged around the outer edge while in the center two elephants and four camels were tethered when he got inside the circus man called to one of the men to bring him a strong peg this he drove into the ground and tethered billy to it like all the other animals were fastened Then he told the man to bring him a bunch of straw for the goat to lie on and a bundle of hay for him to eat. Hay, thought Billy, after nice young tender grass and turnips. Well, I won't stay here long. That is one sure thing. I wonder if I can understand a word of what these heathen foreign animals say. But I expect I can read their minds if i can't understand their tongues for most animals are mind readers and mind is the same the world over though their thoughts are not the same while billy was thinking this the circus man and the other man left the tent and billy was startled by the elephant sticking his trunk up to billy's mouth and asking him to speak through it as if he was a little deaf and used his trunk as an ear trumpet he was just going to introduce himself to the elephant and asked the elephant's name in return, when one of the camels in a weak, weary voice asked the same question he had been going to ask the elephant. So he introduced himself to the camel, and she in return presented him to all the other animals that were within hearing distance. She did not introduce him to any of the beasts in the cages, as she said the animals that were loose looked down upon the caged ones and seldom spoke to them the name of one of the camels was miss nancy and she was a regular old maid of a camel who did nothing but gossip and ask questions have you ever performed in a circus or traveled with one before she asked billy when hearing that he had not she rolled up her eyes a habit she had and exclaimed poor uneducated beast what you have missed never to have been taught to perform in a circus this was a calamity in her eyes she could not remember ever being anywhere else as she had been born in a circus in this country shortly after her mother had been brought here from persia i am so glad i was not born in persia For had I been, I should have had to carry heavy loads across the burning desert with very little water to drink. While now, all I have to do is march in the processions and then stand and look wise while the boys feed me peanuts as they walk into the circus to see the performance. Oh, you will like being with us when you get used to the confinement, she said. For mercy's sakes, Nancy, do keep still and give someone else a chance to talk said her mother just then the lion roared and when he roared all the other animals stopped talking for he was still looked upon as the king of the beasts although he was caged they all stood a little in awe of him for fear he would break through his cage and chew them up as he threatened to do so many times when they did not stop talking immediately when he roared this time he roared to know who the newcomer was and if he was an american relative of his For as Billy had a beard like the lion's, only much longer, the lion thought he must be an American lion. "'Come over here near my cage, Mr. Beardy, where I can see you,' said the lion. "'I can't,' said Billy. "'My rope is too short.' "'Oh, very well,' he roared back. "'I will see you in the procession tomorrow, for I hear you are to march back of my cage.' The lion's keeper came in to see what the lion was roaring about, and in passing Billy, he stopped to get a good look at him, and presently he was joined by another man who Billy found out took the part of the clown and who was expected to walk by Billy's side in the procession while a monkey rode his back. "'You're a pretty fine-looking goat, old fellow, and I expect we will become great friends. Here is a lump of sugar to begin our friendship with. Or do you prefer tobacco?' said the clown he seems like a nice man thought Billy but I never thought to see the day when I would march in a procession with a monkey on my back and a clown at my side and I don't know whether I will allow him to ride or not but I guess I will behave for a while and see what life is like under a circus tent the next day dawned bright and fair and there was great commotion throughout the circus, getting ready for the eleven o'clock procession that was to march through the streets. Early in the morning, Billy was led into the sawdust ring, and a peculiar saddle like a little platform was strapped to his back. This the monkey was to dance on, dressed as a ballet girl, with yellow spangled skirts, a satin bodice, and a blue cap with a feather in it on his head. When Billy first saw the monkey in this dress walking on his hind legs toward him to get on his back, he had a good mind to toss him up to the top of the tent. He felt so disgusted. But his curiosity got the better of him, and he decided to wait and see what they expected him to do next. He soon found out. They wanted him to trot around the ring and not jump when the ringmaster cracked his long-lashed whip at him while the monkey danced on his back and jumped through paper rings, as the lady circus riders do. This is very easy, thought Billy. I don't mind this in the least, only I don't want to go around too many times one way, for it makes me dizzy. That will do for this morning, Billy. You are a good goat, said the man. Just then, the monkey jumped off Billy's back, and as he ran past him, he gave Billy's beard a pull. Like a shot, Billy was after him, and had the monkey not run up a pole, Billy would have killed him. From that time on, Billy and the monkey, whose name was Jocko, hated each other, and an outward peace was only kept up when someone was around to keep them apart. The monkey would climb a pole, or sit on top of a wagon, or anything high that was handy, so Billy could not reach him and then call him names and sauce him until billy pawed the earth with rage which made the monkey laugh the only one that could get even with the monkey's tongue was the parrot and she and the monkey would sit and sauce each other by the hour billy was about cooled down from his fuss with the monkey when he heard a bugle call and the elephant told him that it was the signal for the procession to start while billy had been put through his paces in the circus ring the elephants had been decked out in scarlet blankets embroidered with gold and funny little summer houses as billy thought strapped to their backs in which the ladies were to ride the camels had also been fixed up and from four to six horses with waving plumes on their heads had been hitched to each circus wagon at another signal from the bugle they all started to move led by the men and women performers dressed in their best spangled velvet suits then came what billy thought to be the best thing in the procession a golden chariot drawn by twelve shetland ponies each pony ridden by a little boy postillion in scarlet velvet while in the chariot sat a beautiful little golden-haired girl dressed as a queen with a diamond crown on her head it fairly took billy's breath away he thought it all so beautiful and he started to follow all right Jim, let him go there if he wants to he probably thinks the ponies are goats and will behave better than if put with the lions what an idiot that man is thought billy do think I don't know a pony from a goat. It was a good thing they let him march there, for he was so taken up with watching the ponies in front of him that he forgot to be mad at Jocko, who was going through all sorts of antics on his back and swinging on Billy's horns. Everything was going smoothly when Billy saw Mike O'Hara coming out of the crowd. He came up to the clown that was walking beside him and said, look here that is my goat well i guess not you must be crazy i'll prove it to you said mike do you see that black spot on his forehead and that he has one black hoof and all the others are white that don't prove anything said the clown you just noticed that as we were walking along and now you come up here and try to claim our goat "'I'll give you another proof,' said Mike. "'He will come when I call him.' "'All right, call him, and I bet he won't follow you,' said the clown. Mike held out his hand and called him by name, but Billy did not turn an inch, though he knew he belonged to Mike. He did not propose to go with him and be made to pull milk carts. He preferred to stay where he was as he liked the excitement of a circus life. When Billy did not go to Mike, it made the clown laugh, and he said, Ha! There, I told you so. The goat never saw you before. Yes, he has, said Mike, but it is just like his cussedness to pretend he don't know me. Go along. I can't bother talking with you any more," said the clown, as all this time Mike had been walking beside the clown as they marched well you need not talk to me any more said mike but i am going to have my goat and with that he caught hold of billy's horns and was going to lead him away here take your hands off that goat you are stopping the procession but mike held on and the clown gave him a hit in the ribs mike struck back and a policeman who was standing in the crowd ran out and arrested Mike for disorderly conduct and for stopping the procession. This was the second time that Mike had been arrested on Billy's account. When the procession returned to the tents, all the animals and horses were fed and allowed to rest so as to be fresh for an afternoon's performance. Billy had only been resting a short time when a couple of men came toward him, one carrying a table and the other a long black gown of some kind. What in the world are they going to do now, thought Billy. When they came up to him, the man that was carrying the table put it down, and then brought a high-backed armchair and set it up close to the table. Then the men came up to Billy, and one of them said, Now, old feller, we are going to make a professor out of you. And with that, they both took hold of him and made him stand on his hind legs while they put a black gown on him and a black skull cap on his head and a pair of spectacles on his nose the latter they had to tie on then a man got on each side of him and supported him to the table where they made him sit in the chair they put his four hoofs on the table and a large book before him and a pen behind his ears when they had him all fixed You never saw such a wise-looking professor in your life as he made with his long white beard. The men were so delighted with his appearance and the way he behaved when dressed up that they called all the rest of the circus people to come and look. Of course they laughed and praised and petted Billy until he was nearly bursting with conceit, and they all agreed that it would tickle the children most to death to see how solemn and straight a goat could sit in a chair. Now, Billy, we will take these things off and let you rest, for your back must be tired as you are not used to sitting up, but you will get used to it and it won't make you tired after a while. Come here and I will give you this nice red apple for being such a good goat. You behaved so nicely that I think we will venture to show you off at the performance this afternoon. This they did, and he got more encores and whistles and clapping of hands than anything else that was shown that afternoon, more even than the ponies. Before they brought him in, the ringmaster came in and said, Now, ladies and gentlemen, I am about to introduce you, the oldest and most wonderful astrologer now living. He will read to you from a mystic book the fate of the world and whether it is to be destroyed by fire or water. When he had finished speaking, four men drew a platform in on which Billy was seated in his chair at the table. But the strangest part of it all was that when everything was still and the crowd were all watching him, he commenced to read and turn the pages of the book, and he spoke so plainly that everyone could understand and hear. This surely was wonderful And the children could not make up their minds whether it was a man with goat's horns, for his long horns stuck out through two holes on either side of his cap, or a goat with a man's voice. And when the ringmaster told the children that the professor had just dropped from the sign of the zodiac, called Capricorn, which is represented in the almanacs by a goat, they thought he must be telling the truth. He did not tell them that hidden under the platform was a man that did the talking, and when the leaves of the book were turned, that he was pulling a string which made them turn over. But everyone thought the goat was doing it himself. After the performance was over, all the children, as they passed, fed Billy peanuts, candy, popcorn, and apples as he stood by the elephant. Billy behaved like a lamb for days, and gone through all his performances without a hitch in fact he had become the pet of the circus and allowed to roam about at will and was never tied not even at night so this night after all had settled down and gone to bed billy feeling wakeful thought he would move around a little and take a peep into the other tents first he stuck his nose into a little tent where they sold popcorn peanuts lemonade etc during the performances Now is my chance, thought Billy, to eat all the popcorn I want, for I never have gotten enough to satisfy me at any one time. But how can I get it out of that glass case? It looks so easy to get at and smells so good. I must have some, even if I have to break the glass to get it he stood licking the glass for a little while then his greed getting the better of him he backed off and gave the glass a quick hard knock with his horns it broke and flew in all directions and let the popcorn roll out in a perfect stream billy stopped to listen a minute to see if the noise of the breaking glass had brought anyone to see what was the matter And when no one came, he commenced to eat the salted and buttered corn, and he ate until, for once in his life, he could say he had had enough. But, oh my, what a thirst it had given him! And he did not know where to get a drink unless he went and stole it out of the elephant's tub of water. But he did not like to go there, as the elephant's keeper slept near his charge, and he might catch him and tie him up. Billy was just leaving the tent when he ran into a large tin water cooler. It took but a minute to push the top off with his nose, and then he began to drink. But what was the matter with the water? It had turned sour and had round pieces of yellow sour stuff floating in it. It was his first taste of lemonade. Consequently, he did not know what he was drinking. In his disgust at finding no water, he revenged himself by upsetting the water cooler and spilling all the lemonade then he walked out and going into the first tent he came to he found himself in the room of the leading lady who was fast asleep on a cot at the end of the tent he saw a small table with a looking glass hanging above it but when billy saw his reflection in it he did not make the mistake of thinking it was another goat like he had once before he walked up to the table and seeing a stick of red stuff that looked like candy, he ate it, but it turned out to be a stick of red paint that the leading lady used to paint her lips. After tasting her powder and upsetting her bottle of perfume and chewing her blonde wig, thinking it was some kind of yellow grass, he walked out without awakening her. Next, he went into a tent that had pictures of snakes of all kinds painted on it. This was the tent occupied by the snake-charmers, but Billy knew nothing about large snakes, only little inoffensive garter snakes. So he went in and commenced nosing around in the baskets he saw setting there with blankets in them to see what was under the blankets. In the first one he felt something cold and slippery and not to his taste, so he let it alone thinking it was a piece of garden hose. But when he stuck his nose in the next basket, something long and slim and pliable stuck its head out and wound itself around his body, drawing itself tighter and tighter until Billy found himself staggering for want of breath. When he was nearly squeezed to death, he made a death-like groan which awoke the Indian snake-charmer who was asleep in one corner of the tent on a pile of rugs. The man took in the situation at a glance and came to billy's rescue making the snake uncoil itself by playing on a kind of bagpipe a queer weird monotonous piece of music this charmed the snake and it uncoiled itself from billy and swaying its body crawled toward the snake-charmer the second that billy felt its coils slip from his body he took a long breath and ran from the tent not even stopping to wiggle his head in thanks for his preservation once outside he made his way back to his own tent where he lay down on a pile of straw to snatch a little sleep before daylight as unconcerned as if nothing had happened chapter ten